This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio as we inch closer towards the weekend. Vancouver Canucks in action, and uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff to get to. Major League Baseball could have its World Series matchup done in a matter of hours. We're also going to talk about the NBA. Toronto Raptors laying an egg in their first home game, and get this, six hundred days we're going to talk about their loss to the wizards but so much more and we will also touch in on soccer i got some opinions on the fact that this november series that's taking place in edmonton should have been taking place in vancouver but once again the government of british columbia dropping the ball on that but let's get to that one story that one story that rises above the rest let me get you to the lead We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Well, it's been four games, and after tonight, it'll be five, and the Vancouver Canucks are going to either be back at 500, or there's going to be fans asking for Jim Benning's head, and that is usually standard practice in Vancouver whenever things go awry for the hometown Canucks, but I was thinking about this the other day because somebody said, you know what, how many other general managers get this much time to try and get their team into uh, contention for the Stanley Cup? There are a number of general managers in and around Jim Benning's tenure that are in the same boat. I was actually surprised when I looked back and I thought about this. Mark Bergevin hired by the Habitat in 2012. Dallas Stars hired Jim Nill back in 2013. And it was within days between Benning and Calgary Flames general manager Brad Trey Living that they got the post within their respective organizations. Washington Capitals, just five days after Jim Benning got hired in Vancouver, picked up Brian McClelland and let's just say he was able to bring them a championship ring. And a couple of months after that, Joe Sackett, and we all know he's done great things in Colorado. So, Jim Benning isn't essentially the only general manager that has gotten much more rope than certain franchises' fan bases would want. I think of Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin. And this is interesting to me because realistically, if you look at the full body of work, it hasn't been that great. But it's really tough to chastise a guy that just a couple of months ago saw his team nearing the Stanley Cup. But you look at the draft, you look at everything that he's been doing over the last couple of years, you think of that one blip on the radar. It's kind of like what Jim Benning got a, a second win when it came to the bubble and the Vancouver Canucks getting deep into the postseason. That one blip on the radar that seems to get you that second lease on life. Jim Benning is not alone. And I say that like we are not the only team's fan base that is sitting here saying, dude, how many more years are we going to give this guy? I mean, Jim Nill in Dallas, you think about that tenure, dating back to 2013. Yarmo Kekalainen in Columbus, 2013 higher as well. So there's about six or seven general managers in the NHL right now that have been kicking tires for seven to eight years. And realistically, only two of them, Brian McClelland and Joe Sackick, in my estimation, have been able to do big things. So if you are a fan of the Vancouver Canucks, what do you do? Do you simply focus on your own organization and say enough is enough, it's time for a change? I'll tell you this. If Jim Benning doesn't have a winning record 
by game 40, I'm going to say that the fans are going to turn up the heat in the city so much that Francesco is going to have to take a look. Francesco has been unbelievable in his support of Jim Benning. If anything, this is the one year that maybe all bets are off on Jim Benny because, like I said, I thought he had a pretty good offseason. I think because he's had so many botched previous offseasons, we can't really get down and dig into our heart to give this guy the passing grade that I think he deserves for what he did this particular offseason. But I will say this. As good as it's been in the last two to three months with the temperature finally turning down on this hockey team, if they don't perform this year, there is no way he can make it to the finish line. And again, and I will say this and I'll say this again, I don't always call for a general manager's job when things go sideways. You could probably say that maybe Travis Green would be a guy that would be under the hot seat, but he just got a new contract. Jim Benning is the guy that takes the fall if by the midway point of the season, this Vancouver Canuck team is well below the bar. And it's tough to get well below the bar in the NHL because of all these extra points you can find with overtimes and shootouts. But I'll tell you this, this was a team that was supposed to be a lot closer than they showed last year. Last year, they got out of Dodge because they had the COVID. It was an abbreviated season. They were playing in a different division. But this year, with the likes of Anaheim, with the likes of Los Angeles, San Jose, a new team in Seattle, surely they're going to be able to find their way above that equator line, right? They're going to be one of the top four teams of the Pacific for sure. That should be, based on the talent that this team has, a foregone conclusion right? So I look around at the other general managers to bring them up right now. I don't know what's going to happen with Mark Bergevin. That is a hockey hotbed that I thought would have had a lot less patience, but Bergevin has been able to weave his way in his colored suits for nearly a decade through La Belle Provence. I can't imagine that Calgary's got much more rope for Bradtree living, and in Vancouver, it really comes down to one thing. Can Francesco pull the shoot? And what I mean by that is if they're falling, from the sky, yet again, somebody is either going to have to pull the parachute or they're going to have to let that boy drop. And I understand that the fan base in this city is divided, but there is one thing that is clear as day. It's black and white. There's no gray area in this one. It's wins and losses. You can't tell me that a team that's got Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, and a few other insert names here can't get it done. Thatcher Demko, got to be one of the what? Top 12 goaltenders in the NHL? And if this team is underachieving yet again, something has to give. The dam will have to finally break and somebody's going to have to take the hit because the fan base is going to sit there. And even after being out of Rogers Arena for the last, what, two years because of COVID, surely the Boo Birds will at least come out. I don't think fans will ever turn their back on going to a hockey game. I think we're just too invested. But I do think that the Boo Birds got no problem. I mean, in Chicago the other night, you heard them come out on a lopsided loss for the Blackhawks. If Vancouver doesn't get it right in the first half of this season, the Boo Birds will be out, the Fire Benny chance will be throughout the arena, and Francesco is finally going to have to act. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, fine. You fire Jim Benning. Where do you go? What's your plan B? If Francesco doesn't already know what the answer to that question is, that's a part of the problem. Think of the aesthetics that over the last decade the Vancouver Canucks have done to try and find good grace with their fan base. The hiring of Trevor Linden. Sure, he came in as the president, but don't think for a second that that wasn't 50% a PR move. It was. We all know it. And now with Hank and Danny coming in, Hank and Danny like I know them, like we're friends, Henrik and Daniel coming into the organization to stabilize, quote-unquote, the front office. 
you can only pull so much wool over a fan base's eyes before they finally wipe it away and say, get it done. And for the Vancouver Canucks right now, you know the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous? is I don't feel like there's a ball buster on this team. I feel like JT Miller every once in a while steps up, but he also pouts just as much. I think Bo Horvat's a great guy, but I think he leads by example. He's not very vocal. He's not the firecracker that you need. Elias is quiet. Brock's quiet. It's a team of great talent, but there's no firecracker on this team. And that, to me, makes me a little bit nervous. Because you can have a lot of great players but there's got to be somebody that infuses the crowd. And I know there's some people that think that Connor Garland might be that guy, but Connor Garland's been here five games after tonight. You can't put that on him just yet. So I don't know if it's a player. I don't know if it's a move that you would make within your roster. I don't think that's the move that you take on. I mean, every once in a while you hear Brock Besser. I said this, what, a couple of years ago? Don't get married to the core because somebody is going to have to move. I'm amazed that Jim Benning has been able to keep this core together as long as he has. I thought for sure he was going to bungle up one of those deals, whether it was Patterson or whether it was Hughes, but he was able to somehow get it done. Sure, Patterson's term, the three-year bridge contract, isn't what everybody wanted, but I have a feeling that that's not going to be the worst-case scenario for the Vancouver Canucks. Remember that in three years. So what do you do? If you're the Vancouver Canuck fan base, you sit back, you cross your fingers, you cross your legs, you cross your toes, and you can hope by hell or high water that this team can finally get it done. But if they can't, somebody has to take the fall. You can't go into the Pacific Division with the door wide open to make the postseason. I know what you're thinking, man. You're like, Faye, it's five games. Like, take it easy. But it's another red flag that if this doesn't get right in the next couple of weeks, there's a problem here. They lost outright to Detroit. They lost outright to Buffalo. They don't have a regulation win so far this season. And this was supposed to be the redemption project. This was supposed to be all the Canucks looking up at the rain in the middle of the river with a dwindled down pickaxe saying that we finally dug through the tunnel, we're out of Shawshank, and we're ready to get busy. We're going to San Juan Taneo, or we're going to find our way towards the Stanley Cup. And I can tell you this right now. They have not played one game this season where they have been great. They have been good, but they haven't been what they are capable of. You look at this team on paper, and there is two more gears, and I don't want to hear that it's early in the season. I don't want to hear that it's because there was a couple of guys holding out. They're going to need to get their legs, and it's going to take them 15, 20, 30 games. These points, who cares? They're going to get 100 of them before the end of the season. If they miss the playoffs by two, three, four points, or their seeding means they got to go on the road instead of getting the opportunity to play at home, you look back at Detroit, you look back at Buffalo, and I don't give a shit that they were on the road. They were straight-up losses where they weren't good enough. Your big man that I brought up just the other day, Elias Pettersson, two games ago had one shot on net in more than 22 minutes. He had two shots on net last game in 23 minutes. And guess what? That's three shots, no goals, no assists in more than two full periods of hockey. That should light enough of a fuse to get that guy going. And then you look at Quinn Hughes if he's healthy. Is Brock Besser going to be ready to go? Is his team eventually going to get onto all cylinders? There are so many questions. But if they don't get this one right, I got to think that that rope finally gets cut. And you look at it at a new GM before the end of the season. All right, let's get to the rest of the story. There is so much more to get to. Let me get you into that one room where we house all of the news of the day. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? 
Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time. So get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, we'll circle back on the NHL in a moment, but let's get right now. I don't want to say this because it's time sensitive, but I want to talk a little bit about the Braves and the Dodgers as they get ready for Game 5 of the National League Championship Series. This is the Braves series to lose. They're up three games to one. And if you remember, a year after their season ended in Game 7 of the NLCS, the Braves get a shot at redemption to try and get back to the World Series for the first time since 1999. Now, yesterday, a 9-2 thumping of the Dodgers. That was the one game where they were trying to piece together their pitching, and the offense really stepped up in a big, big way. So tonight, 5 o'clock Pacific, they've got their ace on the mound that's going to try to get them over the hump. The Dodgers, on the other hand, are going to try to do it all over again by winning the final three games of a series. But this time, they're going to have to do it without Justin Turner. He leaves Game 4 with a hamstring injury. He's probably going to be gone for the rest of the postseason. That coming from Dave Roberts, their manager. So what do you do? Well, if you're the Braves, Dansby Swanson could be the guy that hits leadoff in Game 5. Hard to go with somebody other than Eddie Rosario, but I can tell you this, right now, the options are all on the Braves. This is a lineup that Alex Anthopoulos has built, and more than anything, this is a lineup that is as versatile as you're going to find. Atlanta also has everybody available in their bullpen, including Tyler Matzik, who has pitched in each of the team's first eight postseason games. Not sure if they'll use him for a third consecutive day, but Snicker knows that he's got him at his beck and call. And realistically, right now, I can't see how the Braves lose to the Dodgers, knock on wood, after coming up so big in Game 4. They went into Los Angeles, they got the wins that they needed, and now get to go to Atlanta to try to advance to the World Series. It is an unbelievable story, and what a bounce back it would be for the Braves, who got ousted just a year ago. It's a night off for the Astros and the Red Sox. It is Houston who's going to try to punch their ticket to the World Series on Friday night. That game in Houston. Boston sending 11-9 starter Nathan Eovaldi to the mound. He's been fantastic, at least in the regular season. Pretty decent in the postseason. Couple of wins with a 5-5-1 ERA. Opposite him, the hard-throwing right-hander Luis Garcia. 0-1 in the postseason with a uh, Houston fans. Cover your ears for this one with an ERA of 24 0.55. He got torched in his last outing, but the Red Sox, two kicks at the can. they got to win them both if they're going to advance to the World Series and take on either the Braves or the Dodgers. That game is tomorrow, 5 o'clock Pacific. Okay, to the gridiron we go, and for the Cleveland Browns, this was supposed to be the window. This was supposed to be the two- to three-year window where they were going to be able to get there and maybe, maybe, just maybe become a Super Bowl contender. It has not gone their way, and now more bad news. It looks as if quarterback Baker Mayfield will need shoulder surgery, but he's going to hold off as long as he can because it's on his non-throwing shoulder. So Ian Rappaport of NFL Network saying that Mayfield is expected to need that surgery on his torn labrum, but he can deal with the injury through the season. But here's the problem. Any more damage, and that could change that plan in the blink of an eye. Now, Mayfield will not play in their game a little bit later tonight when the Cleveland Browns take on the Denver Broncos. Veteran backup Case Keenum is going to get the start. Whether Mayfield returns for Week 8 against Pittsburgh, well, nobody knows for sure. But with surgery likely down the line, this is probably going to be a season-long pain management issue that the quarterback is going to simply have to deal with. 
Now, calling the Browns banged up would be a little bit of an understatement, but not all injury news is bad. Good news for Cleveland as wide receiver Jarvis Landry has been activated from the injured reserve, and he will take on the Broncos tonight. Tough matchup for the Seattle Seahawks coming up this weekend as they get to take on Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. And the one thing that you can say is that Seattle is going to need to bring a little bit of pressure if they're going to try to stop this potent offense in New Orleans right now. Seahawks cannot afford to fall any further in the standings in the NFC West right now, especially with Arizona undefeated and especially with the Rams nipping at those heels of the Cardinals. So this is a must-win stretch coming up for the Seahawks. But the one question that they have beyond Russell Wilson is can they get to the quarterback of the opposing team, Jameis Winston, pretty mobile, but that is definitely what is priority one for Seattle going into their game against New Orleans. All right, Canadian Football League sees BC at Winnipeg. And if you remember, Winnipeg went into BC Place a couple of weeks back and absolutely pounced all over the Lions 30-9. to Zach Caleros with more than 400 yards passing in that game. BC now on a three-game slide and have to go to IG Field where the Bombers just happen to be undefeated this season. Given the Bombers' dominance this year, combined with the Lions' recent struggles, it is hard to say that the Bombers will lose this one. 100% of the writers at CFL.ca saying that Winnipeg will win this game, and that would drop the BC Lions two games below 500 to 4-6 and six through their first 10 games of the season. Lone game on tap tonight, Toronto and Montreal, that one set to go at 4.30 Pacific. Let's go to the association. Toronto Raptors played their first home game in 600 days. Yes, they spent a lot of time down in Florida, but they finally got a chance to go back to Scotiabank Arena. Unfortunately, Washington uh, spoils the party a little bit with a 98-83 victory over the Raps. Bradley Beal leading scorer for Washington, he had 23. The leading scorer for Toronto was Scotty Barnes would get this. This was the leading score for the Raptors last night. Scotty Barnes led the way with 12 points. Toronto is going to have their challenges this year. Fred Van Vliet leading the offense with that big boy contract, had four assists in the game. Goran Dragic in 23 minutes, the newly acquired Goran Dragic with just nine points and was a minus 16 when he was on the court. Fred Van Vliet, by the way, was a minus 22 for those who get into the analytic. Gary Trent Jr. with just six points in 27 minutes of action, and Canadian Chris Boucher with seven off the bench. Next up for the Raptors tomorrow night, they are in Boston to take on the Celtics. And even though they lost last night, it's the one get-out-of-jail-free card. The fact that they finally got home, they finally got the opportunity to play in front of their fans in Toronto, that was a big deal. And yes, the super fan was there as well, but it's going to be a tough season. There is no doubt about it. I don't know if this team wins more than 35 games this year. Unfortunate to say, Cardinal Official was there. All of the big boys coming out, but uh, at the same time, the Raptors just don't have... Uh, a star player on this team, and I think it's going to be a very long season for those in the six. Three pack of games coming up in the NBA tonight, including the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. They're in Miami to take on the Heat. That is the Heat's opener. And the 1-0 Golden State Warriors, my pick to be the bounce-back team of the NBA this season, at home to take on the Clippers, who are also playing their first game of the 2021-2022 season. All right, let's go to the NHL, and uh, good news for Golden Knights star Mark Stone. He will not need surgery, but it is absolutely unclear when the Vegas Golden Knights forward is going to return from that, quote, lower body injury. Went to see a couple of doctors yesterday. Nothing surgical, which is good. That coming from Peter DeBoer on Tuesday. I would say day-to-day, -day, but probably between day-to-day -day and week-to-week. 
Stone injured in that 6-2 loss to Los Angeles Kings back on October the 14th. He had three assists in two games after leading the Golden Knights at assists and points last season. Well, the brother of Quinn Hughes, Jack, has been placed on the injured reserve by the New Jersey Devils today. He's got a dislocated left shoulder. He's going to be evaluated in a week. 20-year-old center had an MRI. There's no further structural damage. He will not require surgery, and he has already started on his therapy, which is, according to Lindy Ruff, the coach of the Devils, quote, probably the best case. It's bad, but it probably could have been worse, unquote. Devils undefeated, getting ready to take on the Capitals later tonight in Washington. Well, the power rankings coming out this week, and get a load of who is at the top of the NHL. It is only you Levy's Florida Panthers who are at 3-0. It is their second straight season starting 3-0, and was helped with a 4-1 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning back on Tuesday. Carolina coming in at number two. Tampa Bay is ranked number three. Last week, they were number one. And rounding up the top five, the Edmonton Oilers, who are a perfect 3-0, and the Capitals at 2-0-1. Where are the Vancouver Canucks on the rankings of the top 32 teams in the NHL? Nowhere to be seen, at least in the top half of the NHL. NHL other Canadian content the Toronto Maple Leafs coming in at number 12 with record of 2-1 and 1 through their first four games and that is it a lot of Canadian teams struggling to start their season well, speaking of Canadian teams, Mark Shifley is now in COVID-19 protocol for the Jets. A team spokesperson saying that he tested positive yesterday, but then tested negative at night. Now, if Shifley tests negative later today, he will be eligible to play against the Anaheim Ducks, and the Jets need him. They're off to a tough start this season. He led the scoring last year for Winnipeg with 63 points, 21 goals, 42 helpers. Blake Wheeler remains in protocol. He tested positive Monday and is required to miss at least three more games. All right, let's wrap it up. Nice, easy Thursday for you. Sports Bar Radio available to you five days a week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Download, subscribe, review, and just know within 30 minutes, I will get you completely caught up with everything that is going on in the world of sports. My thanks to Jay Swing, producer extraordinaire, brother from another mother. My thanks to everybody at Equity Guru for helping me produce this show on a daily basis as well. My thanks to Chris Perry, the co-founder of not just Equity Guru, but of Nation Extreme Wrestling. My thanks to Galen and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again on Friday, let's put a bow on the week tomorrow, shall we? You have been listening to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Faye. Have yourself a great afternoon. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.